We're going to talk about something that strikes a little close to home tonight, Josh. We're going to talk about preachers and their work. So we may be stepping on our own toes tonight. I'm sure we will be. All right. We're going to talk about the preacher and his work tonight on the virtual Bible study. Stay tuned and get in on this important Bible study. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And this is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday night, December the 2nd, 2021. We welcome you and... uh... Appreciate you for being there to listen and participate in our online Bible study this Thursday evening. My name is Greg Gwynn. I'm one of the regular participants in the virtual Bible study, but I'm not in my usual spot. Again, this week I'm sitting in Jacob's normal spot. Jacob continues to be out of pocket for one more week. We hope to see him back next week, Lord willing. In my normal place, my good friend and brother Josh McCord. Josh, welcome to the virtual Bible study. Thanks for having me here. Good to be here this evening. And behind the controls, as per usual, our good buddy Kyle. Kyle Barnes. Kyle, thanks for being there tonight. It's good to be here. Uh, So we're going to talk about the preacher and his work. And and Josh, I kind of chose this subject because we've got what I think is an exciting announcement to make about the work here at College View. Josh, many of you who watch the show uh, regularly have seen Josh on the show lots of times. Josh is one of our own, uh, grew up here at College View. But for the last couple of years has been off preaching at a small congregation north of Columbia called Lanton. Uh, and he's been doing a great job, but doing all the preaching and teaching work at Lanton while still holding down his full-time job. We have asked Josh to come back to College View and join us here and take up some of our preaching work. Uh, and Josh has graciously agreed to do that. Josh, we're excited about that. I'm excited about it too. And so what, what, uh, not only will he be preaching and teaching here in, in our, uh, uh, regular work at, on College View, but he's also going to be taking on uh, more of a part uh, on a regular basis in the virtual Bible study. So he's going to become a more regular participant in the virtual Bible study. And all of that is scheduled to begin, Lord willing, January 1st. Yes, sir. So something that we're looking forward to in the new year, and I hope that you who are listening will be looking forward to that as well. And so since Josh, since you and I are going to sort of be working together as preachers, uh, I thought we could talk about ourselves a little, and hopefully not too negatively. Because <laughs> well, we the Bible has a good bit to say about the preacher and his work, and that, uh, that's what I decided we would try to attend, our, uh, put our attention on tonight, the preacher and his work. Earlier today to our update list, I sent out uh, these questions. If you're not on our list, get on the list. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to your list. We will. 
about midday on Thursday, you get the topic for discussion and some questions that you can begin to respond to right then and there if you'd like. And today we sent out these questions. In Second Timothy 4, verses 1 through 5, the Apostle Paul charged Timothy to, quote, do the work of an evangelist. And so from that text, what are the requirements and obligations of that job? So we'll talk about that first. Then we want to learn from Paul himself because there's at least a couple of texts where he really talks about how he did his preaching work in Acts 20 and in 1 Thessalonians 2. We're going to look at those texts. Then we are going to ask the question, so a church is looking for a preacher. What should they be looking for? Number four, so we got a preacher, and maybe he's a really good preacher. Can he do it all? I mean, is it is is the outcome of things totally dependent upon the preacher and his work? I guess that's sort of the question. And then finally, this one strikes close to home, Josh. What about the preacher and his pay? Uh, is it proper to pay preachers? If so, how much is reasonable and right? And should preacher, and I've heard people say this, that it's, it's actually a form of benevolence. Should the preacher's pay be viewed as a form of church benevolence? And we'll talk about that, Lord willing, here as we continue our study tonight. So let's start out with the first one. And, uh, uh, Josh, you might read that for us in, sure. in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. It says, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. All right. So there, there uh, especially in verse 5, is that expression, do right. the work of an evangelist, in the King James at least. Uh, so I, I pulled out some old notes I had on that text, and, and I think one of the first observations, Josh, is what he was supposed to be preaching. Preach the word. Uh, you know, Paul didn't say, Timothy, you're a pretty smart guy. You've got good opinions. I, I, I trust your judgments. You know, get out there and tell people what you think. Yeah, that's not what he's only. Yeah, or tell funny stories. You yeah, know, maybe yeah. you've got a bunch of funny stories that you've heard over the years. Tell those. Yeah. So he had a, a, a the work of an evangelist is is and this really needs to be driven home because in a lot of preaching these days, certainly in the denominational world, but I'm afraid even among our own brethren. A lot of the preaching these days has very little word in it, very little scripture, not much Bible. And, and, you know, human philosophers and authors will be quoted. The Bible seldom quoted. I was at, I, I listened to a sermon recently. I was in person at a place and listened to a sermon. And I think the preacher made just passing reference to a couple of verses. And I don't even think he read them. You know, he just made sort of passing reference. That that doesn't get the job done. That's concerning. Yeah, yeah. So I, th- I think that really doesn't uh, accomplish the work that a preacher is supposed to be doing. Now, you'd have to add, Josh, that if we're going to if we're going to be preaching the word, we got to know the word, and we got to. And so there's an implication in that command that means you're gonna you're gonna have to be a good student. You you, you can't do this work and not even be familiar with your subject right. matter. Well, you know, and Paul wrote to Timothy in the same book, just a couple chapters 
earlier in chapter 2 to study or give diligence to show yourself approved unto God. And so I, I think that goes hand in hand with this. As yeah. you say, you've got to know it first, so you've got to be putting time into it, studying it. You can't teach something that you don't know. Uh, that's and, right. so, and I think that's what Paul is telling this young evangelist, Timothy. You know, there's the, and, and we get jokes about this. I know you've been joke, you've had jokes about this. I've had jokes about this. Well, yeah, the preacher only, the preacher only works a couple hours a week, you know. Yeah. He's got to preach Sunday morning and Sunday night a couple hours, you know. So he gets paid for two hours work a week. Well, and I'm, and I wouldn't, and I wouldn't argue that maybe some preachers do that. Yeah. But a preacher whose worth is salt, so to speak, is going to spend a lot of time in study and work in preparation because really you're, the, the, the preaching of the word is going to sort of be the overflow benefit of your own personal study. And right. so your study is going to have to be a lot deeper than that which you actually end up presenting of the word of God in, in a sermon. Well, I found out pretty quick. If if my opinion was different before, now for sure it's I found out quick that it takes several hours of work at a minimum to do a 30-minute lesson. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it does take a lot of time uh, to study and uh, and to know your material. All right. And another thing that Paul told Timothy there in that text, going from my old notes here, be instant in season, out of season, he said. And that's kind of a peculiar expression. I, I see in our chat room that Dwight and in Iowa and Brian in California have been talking about the change of seasons. Mm-hmm. Dwight apparently has got a bunch of leaves on the ground in his yard that he needs to be raking up. And Dwight, um, I'm, I'm going to take Michelle's side on that. You need to get out there and get busy and <laughs> clean up that yard. But uh, in season, out of season is is that expression. We, I think we would probably paraphrase that. Josh, when, when folks like it and when they don't. When it's yeah. in season, oh, yeah, they really like it. Easy to, to listen to. Easy to listen to. Preach it when people are glad to hear what you have to say. Preach it when they're not. In season, out of season. And and that's, uh, uh, you know, th- that's m- more of a challenge because... If, if you can, if you're preaching on popular themes that people like to hear, then, then that's, that's, that's easy enough. Mm-hmm. But when you have to talk about some things that maybe, uh, I used the expression earlier, step on people's toes, you, you gotta be willing to do that. Even if it's not the popular kind of thing, yeah. you gotta be willing to do it. Yeah, I really appreciate what the Apostle Paul, obviously he was an inspired man and the Holy Spirit had inspired him to say these things. But Timothy was a young evangelist. You know, I think the temptation, especially starting out, would be, you know, you don't want to ruffle too many feathers. And so just make sure it's easy to take uh, and there's going to be no uh, any kind of uh, real self-evaluation when people hear what you have to say. But, you know, Paul said, hey, you've got to be ready to give it to them whether they like it or not. It's got to be the truth. Preach the word. Yeah. But Especially what, yeah. in the early days, turmoil was rife. I mean, it was, you are literally, you're carving out the church. So, man, I think every sermon that Paul and Pi Timothy gave initially was met with like, what are you talking about? So it's, they oh, had yeah. to be, so, yeah, in season, out of season was a daily, that's a daily. It was probably out of season yeah. more than it was in <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It was good. Yeah, yeah. And, and we know that they paid a price for preaching out of season. Mm-hmm. They, they were often persecuted for that, so we got to do that. The, 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 the next phrase there was that Timothy, doing the work of an evangelist, was to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And those first two expressions, reprove and rebuke, have sort of a negative connotation. Reprove means to point out and correct. 
Rebuke means is a stronger word. I mean, actually, you know, telling somebody they're wrong and get and got to get right. Uh, and then the word exhort is is a positive word. It means to build up. And so it's going to take both things. More and more, we hear people who want to, uh, preachers who want to just deal with positive things, just be positive. Well, if you're just doing that, you're not doing the work of evangelist because the work of evangelist also involves doing negative. Uh, teaching negative things that that still have to be taught, even though they're not pleasant. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure that uh, Paul said it's got to be 66 percent negative and 33 yeah. positive. Yeah, I've heard people try to make that. that too. Yeah. yeah, it's two thirds negative, one third right. positive. No, I don't think he's he's lining out a percentage there. Right. I, there's got. I think there needs to be a, a, a relative balance between yeah. negative and positive things. But you got to deal with the negative. If you don't, we're going to talk about Paul and. and a kind of reserved comment on on an expression he he used, but he talked about preaching the whole counsel of God. And if you're not teaching on the negative things, you're not teaching the whole counsel of God. Yeah, yeah, it's got to it's got to be both. Yeah. And then he says, "Do it with all long suffering." Um, there, there are going to be some discouragements that come along the way, uh, and so um, you're going to have to. Stick with it. You're going to have to be determined to do the work, even when it'd be easier to throw the towel in and just give up with long suffering. Yeah, Paul, in this in the same chapter, you know, if you just read on down a little bit, uh, verse 14, uh, there he says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. Yeah. Uh, And so Paul, I think, was telling Timothy, sometimes it's going to be you're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to endure. And he gave him some examples of what some of the issues that he's had to deal with. Yeah. Uh, and then he says also to preach with, uh, including doctrine, uh, with all long suffering and doctrine, he said. Right. Doctrine's a dirty word in a lot of people's vocabulary these days. They don't want to hear doctrine. Uh, but doctrine would include things like baptism for the remission of sins, uh, uh, the sin of instrumental music and worship, uh, uh, the work and role of the Holy Spirit in conversion, um, miracles and, and the fact that miracles have ended, uh, Bible authority, the, the work and organization of the church and all of those kind of things. We've talked about a lot of those things through the years on the virtual Bible study. Those are doctrinal matters that the preacher has to cover. That's right. Yeah, I think a lot of people have taken the approach that we'll just stay away from all of those type of questions. We'll just focus on maybe the main themes, and that way we can all get along and there won't be any issues. But uh, you don't see that in... Uh, especially the the first century when the church was established. I mean, they were out there fighting for the doctrine of Christ. And Second uh, John nine tells us to abide in the doctrine of Christ. So, you know, doctrine's not a bad word. Yeah. Uh, it, but it's we need to be standing up for it. Exactly right. And then and then that text concludes with Paul saying, "Watch in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist." And, and so. Uh, he was telling me, you know, it's not just going to be, you know, all all smiles and pleasantries. There are going to be some hard times that will come if you're doing the work well. And, you know, I think we live, Josh, I think we live in a in a privileged time when when we are not terribly put upon because we preach the gospel. I think we can be very grateful for good, faithful brethren who back us up and support us and hold up our hands. Uh uh, there are some 
you know, hard heads who, who, you know, who, who will give you grief. But overall, right. you know, we, we live in a privileged time, uh, much more so than Timothy and Paul. But whatever comes, you got to endure right. the hardships if right. you're going to do the work. Yeah, up until this point, our lives haven't been threatened yeah. uh, for teaching. I mean, that time may come, but up until this point, it hasn't. But yeah. I think you're right. No matter if it, if that does come, we've got to be ready to, to preach the truth. We got to get a break. Let's grab a break, and when we come back, I want to don't let me forget to look to our emailers. We got several emailers who've given us some thoughts on this important text from Second Timothy four. We'll go to those emails and continue our study right after this break. Stay with us on the virtual Bible study. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Here's a quick thought. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. Psalm 119, verse 2. God promises blessings if you keep his words. Do you seek him with your whole heart? How much influence will God have with you today? Think on these things and be blessed. Seize the day. Here's some thoughts worth pondering. The best thing about the future is that it comes only one day at a time. Watch your thoughts. They become your words. Watch your words. They become your actions. Watch your actions. They become your habits. Watch your habits. They become your character. Watch your character. It becomes your destiny. What we need is neither negative thinking nor positive thinking, but realistic thinking. Thinking characterized by enough pessimism to trigger concern, enough optimism to provide hope. Drifting is characteristic of dead fish and a lot of people. Man, wish I'd said that. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the virtual Bible study. We're talking about the preacher and his work. We spent our first segment talking about a really famous text where Paul was advising and instructing and commanding the young preacher Timothy about the work that he was to do. There's just a lot of good points there that we need to take to heart for sure. Uh, and we've got some response from our emailers on that text. Kent in Calhoun, Georgia says, Second uh, Timothy 4, 1 through 5 sets forth the following divine obligations. One, preaching the word of God which means preaching the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Number two, be instant. Thayer says that that term means to stand by, to be at hand, to be ready. Number three, in season, out of season, means when the time is opportune and when it's inopportune. Number three, to reprove, which means convict, rebuke, which means to reprimand, to exhort, to encourage with urgency. And number four, with long-suffering, self-restraint, and doctrine teaching. Really good, Kent. Thanks for those comments. Uh, Dwight in Iowa says, in this passage, Paul is commanding these preaching qualifications. In the New American Standard, it says, I solemnly charge you. So that's how serious it was. The preacher is to reprove, meaning admonish, convict, blame, scold. To rebuke, to warn by instruction. To exhort means to encourage. In Acts 10.33, Cornelius implored Peter to preach all that had been commanded by God. In Acts 2, Peter had just reproved and rebuked the Jews for killing Jesus. Uh, Peter then was exhorting them in verse 40 to be saved from this perverse generation. They listened to him and about 3,000 souls were added to the church. 
Grant in Franklin, Tennessee, uh, says that the requirements and obligations of this text are first preach the word. That is, teach the text, have chapter and verse for each point, do not exceed what is written, 1 Corinthians 4, 6. Be ready in season, out of season, preach the word whether people are receptive or not receptive to it. Reprove, according to Thayer, means to reprehend, uh, repre- uh, I, think, I think that means uh, to correct severely, child, uh, chide, admonish, reprove. To rebuke is to tax with fault, rate, chide, rebuke, reprove, censure severely, according to Thayer. Exhort means to admonish, to encourage, with great patience and instruction, to be long-suffering and remain in the doctrine and teaching, to be sober in all things, to be calm and collected in spirit, to be temperate, dispassionate, circumspect, to endure hardship, to suffer, endure evils, hardships, and troubles. And he quotes there on most all of those definitions. Really good, Grant. Uh, thank you for those comments. Uh, and, and that's what we've got on that first one. So that's a really important text, Josh, uh, what Paul told Timothy. You're a young preacher. I'm an old preacher. <laughs> you need this. But I need this too, right? We're, we're never going to outgrow uh, those instructions about how the evangelist is supposed to do his work. All right, so the the next question we had is, uh, so Paul was telling Timothy what to do. How did Paul do himself? And I picked out a couple of texts, and I want to just look at those uh, and, and kind of work through those real quickly, Josh. In Acts chapter 20, I think most of our listeners remember that in Acts chapter 20, uh, Paul was meeting with the elders from the church at Ephesus. But in the course of that, he commented about his time in Ephesus when he was preaching there. And and we think that Ephesus, Paul probably spent a longer duration of time in Ephesus than any place else uh, in his preaching travels. He was there in one stretch for over three years. Uh, and he says in Acts chapter 20, beginning verse 25, Behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. There's that expression that we alluded to earlier, Josh. But notice, kind of interesting, he said, I am free or I am pure from the blood of all men for because the reason why if if people lost, it's not going to be my fault because he said, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. His conscience was clear in that matter, as you said, because he told them everything they needed to hear. He, He had practiced the being instant in season and out of season because he had told them everything they needed to know. Uh, the whole counsel of God. That, yeah. That's really that's that's a high bar, but that's what yeah. we're that's yeah. what our goal is. And again, if 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 we are to be the kind of people who say, well, you know, that's too controversial or that's too negative. I don't want to deal with. That. I'm just going to deal with positive, encouraging things. Well, we need the positive, encouraging things. But if that's all we're preaching, we're not preaching yeah. the whole counsel of God. And people might very, in fact, not just might, but will go uninformed upon. Things right. that will cost them their soul. Right. You know, so here, so here's marriage, divorce, and remarriage, for instance. That's a, I, I wish we never had to talk about that. But if we don't talk about that, there are some people who are in situations that will damn their souls to hell. And then we couldn't say, like Paul, we're pure from the blood of all men. Well, was, uh, you know, Paul also wrote about making an uncertain sound. Uh, and, you know, what he was talking about was not giving 
clear direction on a topic. And so when we're when we're like that, we leave people uh, without giving them the clear doctrinal teaching on the matter. Then they may say, "Oh well, I've got a license to go do that." Then, yeah. uh, but but we're going to have to a preacher and everybody is going to have to stand before God and give an account. Uh, and so one of the things that I think about is, you know, when I stand before God, I want to be able to say, I I preached it. I told them everything that, that your word I had commanded to tell. And, and so, therefore, my conscience is clear, and, and, you know, we can feel good about that. Exactly right. Skipping on down in that text, Josh, in Acts 20 at verse 31, he told these elders at Ephesus, he says, Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. I think a couple of things I pick out of that is that just how how committed Paul was to this. I mean, he actually shed tears over his work. I mean, it was it was that uh, deep, uh, deeply in his heart, this work of preaching to these folks. But notice he said that he warned them night and day. You know, talk about talk about putting the time in. Paul and and I don't think those are are vain words either. I think he, he he Paul was the kind of guy who worked round the clock almost to try and get the message out. He invested the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, even when he was in prison, he was worried about trying to spread the gospel. So so yeah, absolutely. I think he was he was busy about kingdom work. Yeah, very busy. Verse thirty three, he says, "I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, yourselves know that these hands have ministered to my necessities and to them that were with me." He wasn't in it for the money. He wasn't in it for the popularity or the praise or the fame. Uh, that, that, that's not what motivated him. And I'm going to tell you, any preacher who is thus motivated needs to get out of the business immediately. He needs to he needs to find something else to do because he's not going to be effective if he thinks it's an easy paycheck. And, and honestly, um, preachers are much better paid in our day and time than they w- were in the past. I was reading an article just recently uh, about a well-known preacher, uh, very well-known in, in a couple of generations past, and he just wasn't paid well at all. They, he and his family had to take in boarders into their house to help make ends meet. Uh, his wife had to take in laundry, do do laundry for people. Uh, and this guy was a really well-known preacher, and he just wasn't paid well. Uh, but his story is not unique. Preachers in a bygone generation just didn't get good support and and. That we can be thankful that that has changed in large degree, but I tell you, anybody who goes into preaching thinking it's just an easy check, uh, you don't have to work hard and you can make money, do something else. Please do something else. Right? Yeah, I, I think your point is absolutely right. He, he coveted no man's silver or gold. Paul wasn't trying to get rich with the things that the world had to offer. Paul had to live, though. He he, and we'll talk more about that. But Paul was supported, uh, and he had to be able to make ends meet. But his main focus was preaching uh, the gospel, and so I, you know, you you support a preacher to be able to not have to worry about those things as much, so he can focus on preaching the gospel. Yeah, and Paul kind of concludes all of that there in Acts twenty by saying, "I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive." Paul lived that, I think, while he was working at uh, uh, Ephesus. Uh, Here's uh, what Kent says about that. 
Paul put into practice the inspired material by which he instructed Timothy. He preached all things pertaining to the kingdom church. He preached the totality of God's truth and would not be responsible if the Ephesians did not accept and obey such. He reminded those who were elders at Ephesus of their responsibilities to oversee the local church, to spiritually feed that congregation, that such was important because uh, uh, the church locally and also universally had to be purchased with the blood of Jesus. Paul also gave these brethren warning about the reality of the coming apostasy, which would even be found among them. Such was incumbent upon them to be watchful and remember their duties. Uh, good, good thoughts on that, Kent, for sure. We appreciate that. Um, Dwight says, Paul declared the whole counsel or purpose of God to them. Uh, he charged the elders to be on guard, to watch for the, over the church for a period of three years. Paul admonished them with tears. He was very sure of his teaching so that they had all they needed to endure hardships. So uh, some of the same points there, Dwight. Thank you. Uh, Grant says, we see that Paul declared to the brethren the whole purpose of God. That is, he declared the whole counsel or purpose of God. He left nothing out. That would include not only the easy teachings, but also the difficult ones. This would include both positive and negative preaching. I think you're exactly right on that, uh, Grant. All right. Now, we've got another text. Uh, I hesitate to go to it because we're just almost up to, to break time. Let's grab our, our uh, mid-hour break, bullet point break. And when we get back, let's go quick. We're going to go quick, Josh. Let's go quickly to that First Thessalonians chapter 2 text and pick up a few, few more points about how Paul did his preaching work. Stick with us on the Virgil Bible Study. We'll be back right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Facing difficult and uncertain times, God's people felt that he had possibly abandoned them. Quote, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me and the Lord has forgotten me. Isaiah 49 verse 14. But God offered them the positive assurance that they so desperately needed. He said, quote, Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Isaiah chapter 49, verses 15 and 16. God assured them that it would be more likely for a woman to forget her own child than for God to forget his people. Just as we sometimes write important reminders on the palm of our hand, even so the Father had them written on his hand. Although their circumstances seemed bleak, God had not forgotten them. In our own lives, we sometimes face a combination of trials and troubles that can raise doubt and uncertainty. At such times, we must also remember God's promises. Quote, he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you, so that we may confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid what man shall do to me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. We have... Quote, great and precious promises, unquote, from the creator of the entire universe, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4. He loves and cares for us, and he desires all good things for us, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. It should surely comfort us to know that our Heavenly Father has our names written on his hand. Quote, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us, unquote, Romans 8, verse 31. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's Word taught every Thursday night. 
Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the Virtual Bible Study. We want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can find up find out more about the College View Church at our website, collegeview.com. College View, spelled funny, C-O-L-L-E-G-E, College View, V-U-E, collegeview.com. Uh, uh, we've got a lot of resources on that website, Kyle. We're continuing to build up a huge library of archived sermons and Bible studies on our, on our lives, College View live stream that, that is linked up to that website. Yeah, a lot of resources. There's, uh, few years worth of uh, lessons and we're in uh, Paul's prison epistles we're in uh, Philippians on Wednesday nights and all kinds of uh, Sunday morning lessons where at least three lessons on Sundays always and one on Wednesday night so, so we got a Bible study two something. sermons on Sunday and a Wednesday night Bible study so there's about well of course those lessons are not necessarily an hour long each but there's four set four sections or four segments of teaching information yeah. every week lord willing that that are accessible there on collegeview.com collegeview.com our youtube channel associated with that is college view live stream that's a separate channel from what you're watching here on the virtual bible study so we got two channels and both of them got a lot of content and kyle is our main man on keeping all that up and we appreciate that thanks kyle um we're talking about the preacher and his work this week on the virtual bible study and we we talked about how paul told timothy what to do and then we see that paul was actually doing it himself paul wasn't asking timothy to do something that he was not doing himself. And another text that really highlights how he did his work is over in First Thessalonians chapter two. First Thessalonians chapter two. What do you see there? Beginning verse one, Josh. Uh, it says, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as ye know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile, but as it were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness, nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we uh, might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children, so being affectionately desirous of you, we are willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail, uh, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Your witnesses and God also, how holy, how holily and justly and unblamably, blamably, uh, we have behaved ourselves among you that believe, as ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children that you would walk worthy of God who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. And boy, there's a lot there. We're going to have to go quickly to cover just a few things there. But again, he was going to stick with the job because he said we can't. And and we know from from the history recorded in Acts that 
he came to Thessalonica out of Philippi. He had been beaten and thrown. He and Silas had been beaten and thrown in jail in Philippi. And, that's what, and while they were in jail, they converted the Philippian jailer. And the church, this the really good church at Philippi began. But it began with Paul suffering harshly there. But he didn't give up. He didn't quit. He he moved on to Thessalonica and started right in again. Uh, he said. Uh, he felt that he had been put in trust with the gospel. That's kind of an interesting concept, Josh. It is. Yeah, he, so he had been entrusted to do this great work, and so he took that responsibility not lightly. I mean, he took Let's it say I had a sum of money that needed yeah. to be taken to Nashville. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to entrust this to you. Here's, yeah. here's $10,000, Josh. Now, it's about all I got. It's my life savings, but I got to get it from here to Nashville. Would you do this for me? Could I trust you to do this for me? Well, that's, that'd be a kind of a daunting responsibility to accept that trust. And you'd want to, you'd want to fulfill it. Paul felt that way and more so about the gospel, that he'd been entrusted with the gospel. Yeah. I mean, guard, guard that money with your life, guard the gospel, and you, you put yeah. everything into it. Yeah. Uh, Notice verse 5, he didn't use flattering words or a cloak of covetousness. He wasn't in it for the money, and he didn't, he wasn't full of flattery. Uh, we didn't seek glory, verse 6. uh, we were gentle among you like a nurse with a child. Uh, he said we would have invested our, we would have given our own souls because you were dear to us. That's how much yeah. he cared. He really genuinely cared for the people that he was preaching to. Again, he mentions laboring night and day in verse 9. He certainly spent the time to get the job done. He says we lived holily, justly, and unblameably we behaved ourselves among yeah. you. That's a really important point about the preacher and his work. If you're not going to live right, Josh, you're just wasting your breath in the pulpit. Yeah, that's right. And Paul was able to say, you yourselves are witnesses of this. You saw how we conducted ourselves. So, yeah, I think that is a big big point. Yeah. And he, and he concludes, sir, so we, we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. Uh, again, I think that verse probably could be emphasized the sort of the positive and negative aspects of the preaching responsibility. That's a great text right there, Paul talking about how he did his work. Uh, Kent says that in this text, Paul reminded the brethren that he, Silvanus, and Timothy had had a successful entrance among them in the preaching of the gospel, that it was far better than what had happened at Philippi. God had entrusted to them the gospel. It, it was their purpose to present that message in an honorable way without flattery, self-glory, or taking advantage of them because of personal covetousness. Paul wrote of his genuine love and concern for them, how he acted to them as a father doth his own children. Uh, he encouraged them to walk worthy of God who had called them to his kingdom and glory. They were locally, quote, the called out, the ecclesia of Christ. Uh, Dwight says in Thessalonica, Paul, Silas, Timothy had been entrusted with the word to speak it not as to please men, but God. It is mentioned that they did not try to persuade men with flattering talk, nor for the glory of men. They presented the truth in a kind and loving way, but yet held nothing back. Exhorting, encouraging, and imploring was taking place for the purpose of them, uh, for the purpose of them to walk as God would have them walk. Uh, in the chat room, Dwight also says, uh, nowadays, uh, I hear a lot about being tolerant and not being too doctrinal or controversial. Uh, that wouldn't have characterized Paul in any place that he went. Uh, okay. Uh, 
let's see, wait a minute, I think I, I skipped Grant here. Yeah, here's, here's Grant's comments on, on that text. He said, Paul had boldness to speak the gospel with, among, with much opposition. Uh, he was approved to God to be entrusted with the gospel, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. He did not seek glory from men. He had tender affection for his brethren. They were very dear to him. He was not a burden to his brother, wor- brethren working night and day as he proclaimed the gospel to them. Paul would exhort, encourage, and implore them as a father would his own children. Thank you, Grant. So, again, uh, our, our point here is that Paul had given instruction to Timothy about preaching, but it wasn't that he was telling him to do something that Paul himself right. would not do. Paul did it. Yeah, Paul practiced what he preached. There you go. <laughs> There's that expression, right? That's it. Exactly right. All right. So I ask a question, a follow-up question to that, um, and I think we've probably already answered it. Right. And, and and Grant actually sort of said this in his response. I said, "What should a church? What should church members be looking for and demanding in their preachers? They ought to be looking for and demanding just what Paul told right. Timothy and just what Paul did himself. Yeah. We've really Everything already answered that question. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, you know." Uh, uh, really, we'd be sort of redundant to go through those points, but clearly, Bible-centered, doctrinal teaching, balanced, positive and negative, courageous, when it's popular, when it's not popular, with deep, heartfelt conviction, you know, uh, it's all there in those texts that we already studied. Yeah. Speak the truth in love. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. All right. So let's let's go on from number. By the way, I got one comment here. Let's see. Uh, on that, uh, Kent says members uh, of a local New Testament church must look for the qualities of faithfulness to Christ and ability to accomplish the work that God would have preachers to do. Uh, Dwight says the church should demand, expect that the one preaching is preaching the whole counsel of God, leaving nothing for chance. How one preaches and what one preaches is very important to the hearer. If we're not getting the whole truth, say only the love and positive side of things, then the church is missing out on some very important information that will help them in times of their weakness. However, if all the preacher does is harp and preach negatively, this can be very devastating as well to the church. Having a good balance is absolutely necessary. I think you're exactly right uh, on that uh Uh, Dwight and Mohan in Chicago uh, has answered this question by saying preachers should be evangelistic and should be able to study with non-Christians and admonish the congregation to do the same. Also, a preacher should not be cowardly to to point out sin for fear of losing his position or pay. Cowards shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Finally, preachers are to preach soundly and not have false teaching. An example of an unqualified church a preacher in the church would be one who believes that some people of other religions may get to heaven and who praises certain universities uh, that can be found. Oh, oh, he gives a link here from uh, a video from Lipscomb University in Nashville. Uh, we don't, we're not able to go to that link, but he, he mentions something there that he sees as unsoundness, and there's certainly a lot of that. All right. Thank you, Mohan. All right. Uh, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to grab our last break, and then we're going to get the last couple of points here, Josh. We want to talk about, so, okay, we got a great preacher. we got a really good preacher. But is that, is that therefore, is is success insured? I mean, is it all on the preacher? Uh, so we'll talk about what are the limitations of preaching, even really good preaching. And then 
Finally, we're going to talk about preacher's pay. And so we'll do that when we get back from this last break. Stick with us as we continue on the virtual Bible study. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. There's rising skepticism among Americans about the Bible as a sufficient guide for living a meaningful life. The percentage of people who strongly agree that the Bible is a perfect guide has diminished from 53% to 45% over a six-year time period. And the percentages of those who disagree strongly or somewhat have increased over the same time from 23% to 33%. That information is via Barna Research. The Word of God says in 2 Timothy 3, beginning verse 16, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. My name is Roger Toombs, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And we're going to the top of the hour, talking about the preacher and his work. And Josh, uh, to our update list earlier today, I asked the question, what are some of the limitations of preaching, even really good preaching? What are some of the things that it can't get done? What, what do you think about that? Well, I'll tell you one of the first things I thought about. In, in Luke chapter 8, Jesus had just talked about the parable of the sower. You know, and he'd explained about where the seed fell and on good ground, on 30, you know, all, all the all the things in that parable. And in Luke 8, verse 18, he says, take heed, therefore, how you hear. And so Jesus there was talking to the person that would be listening and how they hear it. So one of the things that I thought about, limitation of preaching, it doesn't matter how great the lesson is presented, how effectively it can be right on point with the truth. If the person that's listening doesn't hear it and try to listen to how to apply it, it's not going to do any good. It's like it's like falling on, uh, you know, some of the ground that Jesus just talked about. So exactly how you hear. You know, Jesus. So there's never been a better preacher than Jesus, right. right? So, but notice what he ran into in Matthew chapter 13. In Matthew chapter 13, at verse 15, he said, "This people's heart is wax gross. Their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand and with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them." Here's yeah. here's the ultimate consummate yeah, the preacher, master teacher, the master teacher. People he couldn't, he couldn't reach those people because they would close their eyes and ears and wouldn't listen to the truth. And I think you also hit, hit the nail on the head, Josh, when you mentioned about it, it does, the, the very best preaching will do no good if we don't make personal application of what we hear. In James chapter 1, verse 22, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. So uh, James says it doesn't do any good to listen. And, and, you know, and this, so here's this preacher, and we really like to listen to this preacher. He's really a good preacher, really good. You know, he really holds your attention and all that. But, and he may be telling me what I need to do, but if I don't listen with an ear toward applying it, then that preaching hasn't done me any good. 
Yeah. Yeah, you know, Paul wrote in, in Book of Romans talking about how shall they hear without a preacher. You know, so there's two parts of it. There, so the preacher should work to make sure his lesson is effective and, and understandable. But the but the other side is people have to be paying attention and, and trying to listen toward application. Yeah. Another thing I was thinking of the limitation of even very good preaching is no matter how good that preacher is and how much I like to hear what he has to say, it doesn't fulfill my responsibility to do what I'm supposed to do, for instance, in sharing the gospel. You know, the Great Commission, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, 20, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. So the preacher is proclaiming the word, but no matter how well he does that, it doesn't remove my responsibility to also be sharing the gospel with others. And so he, no matter how good his preaching is, it, it doesn't do my work for me. Yeah, that's that's a big failure on our part uh, if we say, well, that's what we're paying the preacher for. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm yeah, not gonna... well, yeah, well, we'd like to see some more lost people be, be saved. You know, we'd yeah. like to see more people be baptized into Christ. But we're paying the preacher to do that. Yeah. He, he needs to get busy. No, that, that, I don't care how well he's doing. Responsibility. I know, no matter how well he's doing his job, it won't get that done for you. Um, Kent says there there are important limitations that one's preaching will never be any better than one's study. Oh, now I want to hold that for just a minute because I think Kent's taking a different tack on that, which is good. But hang on to that for just a minute. Uh, well, I think people maybe didn't uh, understand my question because they're going out of different. Okay, so uh, let's look at let's look at these. Th- this is a different take on that question. Okay. Here are the limitations of preaching. One's preaching will never be better than one's study habits. True. Number two, that one's work as an evangelist should never pro- promote neglecting God-given responsibility found in one's family. In other words, the preacher still got to take care of his business, Mm -hmm. Uh, that preaching the gospel should never place the preacher above other members of the local church, creating a clergy laity class, nor creating thinking that he is too good to accomplish any New Testament authorized work that other Christians must also do. Preachers must remember that they are not elders unless at some future date they are appointed as such to serve with other men as elders. Preachers must remember that faithful preaching in certain circumstances will involve one in difficult Difficulties necessitating sacrifices to be made. So the limitations, he's talking about more of the limitations on the preacher the himself. Person, yeah. And I think Dwight had that same take. He says some of the limitations would be not preaching one's opinion, uh, not that we can't mention our opinions, but we have to be careful not to push or enforce opinion, only truth. Also, when preaching, one should not leave something out just because it may be controversial uh, or, or uh, step on toes. Everyone needs their t- toes t- stepped on from time to time, just as we need to be encouraged from time to time. Paul held back nothing when talking about a brother in error. The writer of Hebrews also pointed out to the brethren that there that they should have been teachers already, but they needed to go back to the elementary principles of the oracles of God. Okay, so those guys took a little different slant on that, and I probably didn't make my question clear, but they have really good points uh, that they had to make there as well. All right, so let's get to our last question. What about Paying the preacher, uh, Josh, is it is it is it appropriate? I asked three questions in this regard. Number one, is it proper to let's take this one first? Is it proper to pay the preacher? Well, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> I mean, 
So I said, yeah, well, you've got, you've got a kind of a, a, a prejudiced view on that. You know, you, you accept pay as a preacher, so you, definitely you're going to argue that it's okay to do so. But as in all things, Josh, we, we want to be able to have book, chapter, and verse to support what we're doing. If we're paying the preacher or if the preacher's taking money, they, we better be able to prove from the scriptures that it is an authorized thing to do. Right. What do you think? Well, I, so I'd, I'd like to read 1 Corinthians 9, uh, beginning at verse 7. I'll just read down about verse 14. It says, Who goeth a warfare at any time at his own charges? Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth a flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? Or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt. This is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, that he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. If ye have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? Uh, If others be partakers of this power over you or not, we rather. Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Uh, Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so the Lord ordain that they which preach to preach the gospel should live of the gospel there you go uh, and so uh, that's, that's the great that's about. the great text on that yeah. as he's definitely talking about that uh, as you say very very ver- several verses leading to that strong conclusion this is god's will this is what god or has ordained that they who preach the gospel should live of the gospel but at, start back there at verse seven so we're sending this soldier into battle but he has to pay his own way. <laughs> yeah. He has to buy his own weaponry. He has yeah. to he has to outfit himself. We want him to fight for us, but we're not going to pay him to fight for us. And and, and then don't muzzle the ox that treads right. out the corn. Right. That was a part of the law of Moses. Right. Uh, and and he, he says, do you think that was there just for them, or do you think it was for us? It was for us. There's yeah. a point to be made for right. that. So all of that. I mean, but but the powerful verse, of course, is the concluding verse there, verse 14. The Lord has ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. So we say you got to have book, chapter, and verse. There's your book, chapter, and verse right. for paying the preacher. I just think there's no doubt about that. Um, Dwight says, I do believe the scriptures teach it's right to pay the preacher for his work of preaching and evangelizing. First Timothy five, verses 17, 18, first Corinthians. He said eight, 14, but I think he meant nine, four, first Corinthians nine, 14. First Timothy five, uh, does talk about pay, but I, I actually think there that it's more probably discussing paying an elder who, uh, you know, the idea of first Timothy five, uh, let me read that real quick. It says, uh, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his hire. Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. So I think there it's probably talking more about an elder than a preacher, but it does talk about an elder who labors in word and doctrine. Uh, so it might be a, an elder who's also a preacher might be especially under consideration there. But again, that's, that's, that's an interesting and important text as well that Dwight brings up. Um, Grant says concerning preachers and their pay, is it proper to pay preachers? Yes, he says. And he also references 1 Corinthians 9, 14. The Lord has directed that those who proclaim the gospel get their living from the gospel. Uh, Mohan says, since Paul talks about preachers being supported, it is proper to pay a preacher. Uh, 
However, before a preacher decides he wants to be paid, he should seriously consider whether or not that will affect his taking a stand on controversial things and should have a plan B on how to make a living if it doesn't work out. Personally, I would not be able to preach for a living because of the possible temptation of watering down controversial issues in the preaching for fear of losing pay. So Moan realizes that that would be a strong temptation. Kent says it is proper that is authorized to pay preachers for Corinthians 9.14. So I think we're all on the same page on that. Now, the follow-up question I asked was, if it's proper, and we, we, I think we, there's just no doubt it's proper to pay the preacher. If it's proper, how much is reasonable and right? Kent goes on to say, such depends upon local circumstances, legitimate needs of the preacher and his family, the ability of the local church along with perhaps the experience that the preacher has accumulated over a period of time. So, uh, um, I do think that this is a judgment that will have to be determined based upon circumstances. For instance, it doesn't cost as much to live in Middle Tennessee as it would cost to live in New York City. So if we're going to have if, if we're going to have a preacher preaching in New York City, I think it would be reasonable to expect that he would have to to be making more just to satisfy the basic necessities of life. And so th- there is some sense in which circumstances uh, will dictate how much right. is reasonable and right. I, I would argue that, uh, again, the laborer is worthy of his hire, you know, which is a biblical concept. So, I mean, I, I don't think that we should be looking to see how little we can pay the preacher. And, and through the years, I got to honestly say, uh, through the years, I've known some brethren who I think that they felt that their a special role in the church was to make sure the preacher didn't make too much money. Uh, uh, we wouldn't. I, I think it's possible. I think I've probably heard of some preachers that I think are making more than seems reasonable. But on the other hand, you know. You're not going to judge the uh, the preacher's pay based upon what's the what's the man in the church, what's the lowest paid man in the church. We don't want the preacher to make yeah. any more than the man, the least paid man in the church. I mean, that's not, that's not reasonable. Uh, what is a fair working wage? Uh, I, I I I don't know many, if any, preachers who are in it thinking they're going to get rich doing that job. Right. But they need to be supported adequately and reasonably. Yeah. Uh, and not just seeing what's the bare minimum they can get by on. Because the preacher's gonna have some expenses. Uh, typically the preacher provides all of his own benefits, health insurance, if he can save any for a retirement or all, all of those kind of things. Uh, so it's more than just the raw pay. You know, one of the things I think brethren make a mistake about is they compare the raw pay of the preacher to what they bring home from their work at the job. So here, here, the preacher's making this much, and this guy's bringing home this much. But what he's not taking into consideration is out of, he's out of that, his health insurance and retirement have already been provided for. His taxes have already been withdrawn. And, and, and here's the preacher. He's going to have to pay double Social Security on what he's making and income tax and health insurance and try to save some for retirement. So you can't, you can't compare the, the raw amount that the preacher gets with what the church member brings home on his paycheck. Right. Yeah, well, you got to see the big picture. There's a lot of judgment involved in that. But, I mean, the preacher's doing 
most important work. I mean, he's doing kingdom work. Uh, and so, you know, you don't want the preacher to be just barely getting by. I mean, living in poverty uh, and uh, while doing that most important work. Uh, Dwight says, I think my opinion is that it would depend upon the individual who and is preaching his needs. Is he single, married, have children? Also, what can the church afford? Uh, Grant says, uh, um, hang on to that. Uh, a preacher should be paid an Adequate living in accordance with his ability, experience, and needs. Take-home pay is all there is. He must apply his own medical insurance. Social Security payment is taken out of this gross pay. There are usually no retirement benefits. The preacher must make his own arrangements. Uh, so I, I think those guys are, are uh, on the same page there with us about those things. Finally, and we're just out of time, but finally, should should this be viewed as an act of benevolence? You know, we're gonna we, we're gonna pay the preacher. Uh, because actually the church is supposed to be benevolent to needy people. And he's sort of a needy person. And we're going to view him as a, a needy person. And what we're paying him is actually just benevolence. We're just trying to help him out. Uh, what about that, Josh? Yeah, I don't I don't know that I've ever heard anybody say that before. I actually have. Yeah. But, I mean, the preacher is a laborer. He is, he is uh, you know, he's, he's doing a, a work for the church. And uh, the work is to preach the gospel and all the things that we've talked about. So... Yeah, I'm not sure how you'd say it's, it's not benevolence. Benevol- yeah. It is not benevolence. And, and here's a key a verse. Second Corinthians 11, verse 8. Paul was talking to the Corinthians, but he was talking about the fact that he had been paid by others while he was laboring there in Corinth. But notice the expression he used. I, I, this is Second Corinthians 11, verse 8. I robbed other churches taking wages of them to do you service. Paul said what he was receiving was wages. For a service performed. Wages. That's what yeah. you get when you do work. It's not benevolence. Yeah. It's not It's yeah. not just a, a handout. It, it, you you work and earn a wage. And so it, uh, that, that's the terminology. That uh, So it's not benevolence. It is not benevolence. Uh, Kent says the preacher's pay is not benevolence. If the preacher is truly doing his job, he's earning all that he is paid. Such comes as the result of work and not a handout. While it is not a divine requirement that all local churches have paid preachers, such as biblically authorized as an option and expedient to have a preacher that receives financial support. Uh, uh, Dwight says benevolence is a kind act, a charity, a kindness. But Paul says that the word preached is labor in 1 Corinthians 15, 10 and 11. It is work worthy to be paid a wage. That is support for doing labor. Uh, Paul, uh, Grant says, Paul said he received wages in 2 Corinthians 11, uh, verses 8 and 9, which we just referenced. And then, and he mentions how Philippi had sent support to him. Uh, uh, Philippians 4.15, you yourselves know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you only. Uh, uh, it's not benevolence, he says, a preacher's work in the area of evangelism and edification, that is to say, preaching and teaching. All right, we had a lot of good comments. Uh, not a lot of activity in the uh, chat room. I got, let me see here, I got one comment from Dwight. He says, uh, preachers need to have a home, a car, insurance, and so forth. And, and it does take some money to do those sort of things, and so they're going to have to receive adequate support. All right. I think an important subject, uh, Josh. 
Again, repeating our announcement from earlier, we're excited, we're excited that starting in January, you're going to be working with us here at College View and participating on a more regular basis in the virtual Bible study. We look forward to all of that. Look forward to having yeah. you with us. All good things. I'm excited about it. All right. Kyle, thanks for your help tonight. That's good. Good study. All right. Lord willing, we'll be back next Thursday night for another study uh, during this same time period, Thursdays at 8 o'clock Central Time. Lord willing, Jacob will be back with us next week. We look forward to having him back in his regular chair. Uh, He's been gone long enough, though, that we may have to, Kyle, we may have to retrain him. He may have forgotten his skills, but we'll work on that. Well, until that time, we encourage you to read and study your Bible every day. Live by it. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.